Hey guys, we are doing some more Q&A today. Kelly and I have just been chatting this last couple weeks about how there's three real themes that we are all wrestling with in life. Money and work, uh, relationships, friendship, companionship, love, marriage. And then what is our purpose? What are we meant to do? Does God see me? Am I doing what God made me to do? Those three things are the majority of our wrestling and stress and anxiety. As Christians, we want to follow God's ways for those three topics. And that simplifies a ton of things. And that's why we're always banging on this drum. It's not because we have great 28 years of, you know, there's tons of people who come on here and tell us that you guys shouldn't be talking about relationships because you're young, or you shouldn't be talking about kids because you don't have kids, or you shouldn't be talking about money because you're not wealthy. And it's like, sure, if we were trying to give you our ideas of how it should work, but that that's where we were. We were in a place of, it's not working. We're not enjoying where we are. We're in a doom loop. Lord, your ways must be better than ours. And so we wanted to start living to God's ways. What are God's ways for masculinity and femininity, for marriage, for money, for purpose? It simplifies everything to, okay, Lord, you've told us how it all works. We'll trust in your word. Let it be, a, let it be unto me according to your word. And so that's the purpose of our channel is we want to encourage you to just follow God's ways. This is our journey of trying to follow along God's ways. Are we perfect? No. Are we trying to have good ideas and all this stuff? It's like a lot of the times it's just coming down to like, hey, here's what we tried. Worked for us. Didn't work for us. Do with it as you will. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to jump into a bunch of questions. These are from all sorts of our videos. I would say comments mostly. Mm -hmm. Most of these are commentary yeah. on our our videos. So we will start with a long commentary. This is on our video, Helping My Husband Is My Career, the second one that we did. She says, good discussions. Each situation is different. We have to go by the individual situation. There are seasons of life, sickness, loss of income, economy, kids, no kids. If the husband is a doctor who works long hours, the wife might not want to be stuck in the home. It might behoove her to get a job and have interaction with others. The hours by herself could be long and lonely. That is only one scenario. A wife needs time away from her kids to feel healthy mentally. This might mean putting them into Christian daycare for a few hours a week. This is what I did. There is nothing wrong with that, and it allows the mom to come back to the table refreshed. If the children go to school eight hours, the wife might benefit from a part-time job and still have the time to take care of the home. I don't think the Bible means that a woman has to be tethered to her home 24-7. It just means that she is the overseer of her home in the heart. Do what is right for your family situation. Yeah, so with this one, what we have is just a different worldview. The worldview that we are operating out of is that it's not good for a man to be alone. So marriage is good. Being married is good. Having a husband or a wife is good. It simplifies all your decisions. Marriage is good. He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. A prudent wife is her husband's crown. So marriage is good. Marriage is not a ball and chain. Marriage is not slavery or any of this stuff. It's a blessing. It's a good thing. God called it good. Next, children are a blessing. Children are a reward from God. They are arrows in the hands of a warrior. Children are a blessing. Children are a good thing. They're not a curse. They're not a burden. burden. And then thirdly, the home is the forward operating base of heaven. The home is our building block of any civilization. The home is not a box where you get tethered. It's not a box where you get locked away. 
It's not something where you are just a victim and you have to sit in it. For us, the home is a good thing. The home is a place of productivity. The home is a place of growth. The home is a place of hosting. The home is a place of peace. The home is a place of learning. The home is a place of whatever you want to make the home. Marriage, children, home are good things, but it's up to you what you make of them. If you think that marriage is bad, that's going to be the fruit that you start getting in your life. If you think that children are a burden, that's the fruit. You're going to have to, well, they're a burden. I need to get away from them. Again, us being around many different families with many different results of children, there's families who like their children and they like being around their children and their children are enjoyable because they made them that way. Farming them off to schools or farming them off to daycare because you don't like your children. And this is harsh, but it's fair. That's your fault. You are in control. You are in authority over your children's upbringing. So if your children are ill-mannered, if your children are disrespectful, if your children are disobedient, that's because you are probably ill-mannered, disrespectful, and disobedient higher up in your chain of authority. And so... And that's not going to improve with farming them out of the house to be raised for eight hour the, hours of the day mm -hmm. by someone else who cannot love your children yeah. like you do. It's just pushing the can down the road for someone else to deal with. Mm -hmm. So if you want to be refreshed, you need to disciple, discipline your children so that they become someone that you like to be around and are refreshed by. And then same with being stuck in the home of being, oh, I'm just tethered. alone. I'm tethered at home. I'm so lonely. This is an agency problem. This is, you are a victim of your home. You're a victim of not being able to see anyone. In this day, we have telephones, unfortunately. We, <laughs> we are, we think, unfortunately, we have telephones because there's too many people. There's too many people trying to keep contact yeah, up. There's too many it's people It's not realistic. Inviting. So if you're not being invited out or if you're not inviting in, again, that's a you thing. You are the one who is deciding to be alone. You're deciding to be tethered in your home. You're deciding to be isolated and lonely. To ask a boss to take control of you so that you have stimulation and have friendships, that's terrible. I don't think I've ever worked a job where I'm like, these are the people I want to spend eight hours a day in right. a cubicle with. <laughs> yeah. Whereas when you have time freedom, you're like, oh, I'd like to spend time with this couple. I'd like to go and work a project with that guy. I'd like to go and do a hobby with this guy. And we choose mm -hmm. who we spend our time with. If we don't like people, we don't spend time with them. If we like people, we invite them to things and we hope that we get invited to things. In fact, it's like, it's the opposite for you. It's like, you get invited to so many things that you're like, I'm sorry, I have work to do. Like, I kind of want to just be home this week. Yeah. <laughs> I have a garden to tend to. Mm -hmm. uh, and you're saying this, I would say very harshly, but it's out of a place of love because of a lack of vision. And I think that's the uh, root problem is that women think the only purpose work is outside of the home. And there's so much purpose work to be done within the home that the home doesn't have to feel like a place that you are tethered to. And I think reading this, the irony is like tethered to our home 24-7. It's the agency thing of I'm not tethered to our home 24-7. If if I want to have a, a joyful date at the with myself at the nursery and buy some plants, like that's a lot of fun. And because I don't go around and blow our money therapy shopping because my life is miserable, Scott has no problem with me going to the nursery and spending money. He doesn't need to 
What are you doing? What are you spending your money on? Because we have shared goals. We, we know where our money is And going. we've built trust in that area. I have not just willy nilly spent money and then hid it from you or credit card. Like that hasn't been an issue. It's building trust. And so you yeah. don't have to, just because you're a homemaker doesn't mean you're tethered to your home. Yeah. And so let's just think that through to go and get a job because you're lonely. You're saying I need a boss to direct my social life to farm your kids out to daycare or to public school to be refreshed means I need someone else to discipline my kids so that I can like them. And really, so I can do my own thing, which um, is going to a job because I don't know what to do with my own thing because I don't have a vision. Mm -hmm. And I would say like, that is a huge thing you've done for us is set a vision um, for me. <laughs> I say us, but like, uh, when we have children, you set the vision for the home mm -hmm. and uh, you've really m brought us into the home is the forward operating base of heaven. And so that looks like a productive place, not a consumption place. Yeah. And I think just practically, because a lot of people will be like, okay, but how? Like set a vision. Okay, but how? Like, what does that mean? Uh, for us, it's, we know, like, what are the big three to five things we are trying to achieve this year. We we know, like in my little journal, I've got my five things that I wanna achieve by the end of this year. You know, that could be a family goal, that could be a money goal, that could be a purpose work or a hobby or a mission that you think this is, like this is something I will really wanna achieve this year. We have three to five goals mm -hmm. that all of our time, all of our money, all of the whole reason we live in this house, in this town, and we go to this church and we work at this job or we have these business interests or these hobbies is because of these five goals in our life. That's what it means to set a vision. What are we doing with our life? What are we doing with our time? And there's times for us when things aren't going well. You know, when we've set a goal and we're not reaching it, things are going wrong, everything's against us, the world is against us, we're cursed, God, do you see us? You know, the, the, the despair and the uh, things aren't going well mm -hmm. and things are out of your control. And you can go in despair and be a victim. And we always come back. Okay, Lord, you see us in secret. Matthew 6, verse 6. You see us in secret and you will reward us openly. Mm -hmm. And then Proverbs, a man makes a plan in his heart. The Lord directs his steps. We have to come back to making a plan in your heart. Set a vision. Lord, here's what I'm excited about. Here's what I think I want to go and do and be and have. Lord, if it's your will, you'll direct my steps. If it's not your will, you'll still direct my steps. But you've got to get to a place of excitement again. You've got to be excited about going somewhere in life. If you're just stuck in a job, if you're stuck in relational chaos, if you're stuck in health problems, if you're stuck in financial problems, you can't sit in victimhood and think a boss is going to save you or a school is going to save you or anything like that. You've got to go back to the Lord and say, Lord, what are some options? Like, yeah. Lord, what are the things that I could get excited about and and could move out of my despair? Because that that's where so many of these comments are coming from. It's mm -hmm. a place of despair. Like they're despairing yeah. in their marriage, despairing in their house, despairing in their children, despairing in their work and their money. We have to build a vision. You have to live to a vision. And once that uh, goal is there, then you can break down practically, like practically what are the things that we can do to get to those goals daily what does that look like and that's where we we set the like main big goals but we don't do daily goals our main thing with the daily is like what are the daily systems habits mm -hmm. that us doing these things are going to end up 
helping us reach those, those goals. goals. Yep. So break things down to as simple and as practical as possible. So if you have financial goals, then break that down to look at your finances. That's why we have that uh, tracker that we've made available if you want to use it. It's a Google uh, Sheets and you can just save that uh, template, make it your own, put in your incomes, then put in your how you're spending your money categories and it's not a budget but it's really helpful to see where your money is going to what areas you could improve in and that just helps you know where your money is going that's the question to ask yourself when you are stuck is what would make me excited in this thing again you know so if your children are disobedient it's like what would make you excited was if they were obedient well now you've got a goal and now you you go and start researching. And know? then practically that could look like, well, maybe we need to find a church where there are families mm-hmm. who have children that are really enjoyable and the parents are disciplining. That's been yeah. huge for us is being in church communities where... Positive vision. Yeah, we can yeah. be around other families and it's like, oh, this is so refreshing. Yeah. And it's the same for work, right? It's like, oh, we're not we're struggling for money or we're struggling for work. I, I hate my work or, or we don't make enough money. It's like, again... All right, another question is, who can I get around and ask, hey, how did you do this? How did you get out of that? Or do you have any advice for me about how to get out of this thing or how to achieve this goal? You know, I want to start my own business or work for myself or here's my dream job. How could I hit that goal? Could you help me with that? And get around people who are living those things out that you want to see. You know, if your whole life is around cubicle ladies who are, desperately chugging macchiatos from Starbucks to get through their day and are gossiping about their husbands and they've farmed out their kids to school because they don't like their children. That's the vision that's been set in front of you. You need to get away from that. You need to, it's the whole 12 spies, right? 12 spies go out in the promised land. 10 of them come back and say, there's giants. We cannot do it. Two of them come back and say, there's giant grapes. Let's go eat. And they're afraid of us. Let's go. Everyone listened to the fear mongers. That's why we're so big on stop watching the news. Stop scrolling Instagram and outrage news and all of that stuff because it's going to get you into fear and a negative vision and that's where your life is going to go and you're going to feel all these negative doom loop emotions. We know because we've been there. Okay, so this was on our video of um, girls going to college, which... This is the perfect time of year to rewatch that video. I will link it below. And she says, I actually loved college and believe God led me there. I have always loved learning and got the opportunity to study and prepare to be a missionary. I got to study the Bible, culture, literature, foreign language, and teaching. I got to prepare to be a missionary and a teacher, which is my passion. I got to learn so much, meet missionaries from all over the world, and grow as a minister and a teacher. Also, the Bible teaches not only that marriage is good, but also that singleness is good even better, 1 Corinthians 7. Our ultimate purpose is to follow God and glorify Him in whatever we do, whether as a wife and homemaker or a teacher, doctor, businesswoman, or missionary. Every person is different with different gifts. Yeah, so, you know, our ultimate purpose is to follow God and glorify Him in whatever we do. Of course. And so God has outlined what some of those things are. And so many people, in their desire to not do those things, say that, well, we're actually all equal in Christ. We're all, men and women are all equal in Christ. Galatians 3.28. That's talking about salvation. A, A woman is not a lesser saved spirit because I'm the man and you're the woman. It's like, no, we're both heirs. 
of Christ. We're both heirs of Abraham. We're both saved. Now, discipleship is different for me than it is for my wife. She has things that is discipled that has clear teachings. After Galatians 3.28, Paul writes to women, to men, different things that need to be discipled differently. And so it is with this. Our ultimate purpose is to follow God and glorify him in whatever we do, whether as a wife and a homemaker or a teacher, doctor, businesswoman, or missionary. And here's this mindset thing coming up again that, oh, a wife and a homemaker, that's all she is. That's all she can do is just be at home cleaning. Shame. (laughs) I want to be a missionary, a doctor, a teacher, all this stuff. Actually, wives can do all of these things in her household, with her husband, for her husband, for her children, with her children. There's no, you're at home, so you can't learn. And you can be a missionary in your daily life. We live missional lives of when mm-hmm. we are out in public. It's not like, oh, well, because I'm a housewife, I don't get out. And I can't pray for anyone. I can't pray for anyone. I can't, you know, do anything to serve the Lord because I'm at home. It's so, it's yeah. so. We see our whole lives as being missionaries. You know, me going and working a job, I'm a missionary in that job. To my wife, I'm a missionary. My first ministry is to my wife. It's the same thing for ladies. I'm like, your first ministry is to your husband. And then to your children. And then to your neighbors. You know, to go off to some third world tribe and give your life to serving their children and their husbands rather than your own. You know, and this is where we come to this special calling of the Bible teaches not only that marriage is good, but also that singleness is good even better. You wouldn't care about getting married. You wouldn't care about our videos. You wouldn't care about any Hallmark hot guy who came across your scene because you would literally be celibate in your desires. You would not care for any man because it's a gift, a gift from God to be single. If you're torn up and cut up over a guy and about being married and never meeting a a husband and having children, guess what? You have a desire to be married. And so then it's not good to withhold being married because you're, you're either gonna go and fornicate which is sex outside of marriage, which is not God's ways, or you're gonna go and be the helpmeet to a corporation or a church or to the culture. She's mentioning the verse where Paul says, it is better to be single than to be married so that your sole focus can be on the gospel. So what would your response, because I think that's what she's Mm -hmm. trying to hit on of like, you can be as a single person more focused than you would if you were married. And and I think again with this, it's this, It's this idea that being married is not a ministry. Being married is a lesser thing. When actually one of the things that God says is good. It's not good for a man to be alone. And so, yes, if you're celibate and you have no desire to be married, then of course, go give your life for the gospel. And there's plenty of testimonies of people who have done that. that. Amy Carmichael is a great example of a woman who was sincerely called to celibacy, knew that she was called to celibacy. Okay. And then her comment, because this was on our university video, and she's talking about loving college and believing that God led her there and that she always loved learning. And I think this is a very strange It's an agency thing again. That gets brought up whenever we talk about college isn't the only way for girls. Mm -hmm. It's always like, well, learning's important. And it's like, no one said anything about learning. Like, I learn every single day. I love reading and learning. But you take responsibility for that. You have to go research. You have to go study. You have to go find the things that you're... Whereas it's an agency thing, right? I love learning, so I have to go to college so someone can do it for me. 
someone must teach me how to learn. And that's an incredible victim mindset of like, you can't learn in the home. We have access to millions of books that have been written on every subject you can dream of. We have video courses, we have audio courses, we have workshops that pop up all over the place. You have conventions, people who are willing to come and tutor you at your own home if that's what you want. There's no lack of learning. It's just an agency thing. Would you rather pay $50,000 or would you rather do the hard work of sitting down for yourself and doing it yourself? No, of course you'd rather have someone else do it for you and have the cool thing of telling everybody that I'm at college and have the cool thing of a diploma or a degree or a doctorate that says I am cleverer than everybody else. Yeah, so going to university isn't the only way that you can pursue learning and then using it as like the opportunity to study and prepare to be a missionary. I got to study the Bible, culture, literature, foreign language and teaching that prepared her to be a missionary and I have did much mission work before I met Scott. The thing is, there is no form of study in university that can prepare you from the experience of going to another culture. Yeah, if you want to be a missionary, just go do it. <laughs> yeah. I went to Guatemala and I learned more Spanish being in Guatemala for a week than I did in years of school. And that's our second thing as well, the mission industry itself. We have problems on the mission industry. We have a video on that. <laughs> I'll link that video yeah. below. Uh, actually, do you want to talk about your problems with the mission industry or is that just... Yeah, I, I think if you want to be a missionary, what you're saying is, I want to reconnect people to God. I want to share the gospel, the good news, right? What is the good news? That we are sinners in Adam. We are cut off from God. We deserve cursing and punishment and degeneracy and violence. And Jesus comes, sheds his blood for us and reconciles us to God. We are the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. God looks at us. He smiles. He he confers a blessing upon us and says, you are my children. Galatians 3.28, we are the heirs of Abraham. We are the inheritors of the blessing of God. That is the good news. You are no longer condemned. You are no longer cursed. And that's what we all are asking in all these things. Lord, am I cursed in my finances? Am I cursed in my relationships? Am I cursed in my purpose and my work? Have I been sidelined? Have I blown it? You know, we're asking all these questions. And the good news is that Christ has come to give you new life, a new way of living, if you'll follow his ways, then you will get his results. So that's one aspect of being a missionary is going to people who have never heard the gospel and sharing the good news. A second aspect of being a missionary is mercy, is acts of kindness. People are sick and hurting, you can look after them. Visit the orphan, visit the widow, help them because they're probably gonna be poor, they're probably not gonna have anyone looking after them. How do you help them, right? So there, there's two aspects there of being a missionary. It's sharing the good news and it's acts of kindness and service and mercy. You don't have to go and get a degree to do that. You don't have to go and be approved to do that. One of the most life-changing stories I've ever read is Hudson Taylor. Go buy the book, Hudson Taylor, the, the biography of Hudson Taylor. It is life-changing. He, from the age of 12 or 13 years old, he felt a call from the Lord to go to China and be a missionary to China to share the good news to China. And so he started, you know, I have to go to, I have to go become a medical doctor and I have to go to seminary and become a theologian person. And he got to 17 or 18 years old, studying hard, trying to do all this stuff. And the Lord said to him, go live with the poor, go live with the poor people in London. If you can prove yourself faithful with these little sheep on the backside of the desert that no one cares about, then I will consider you faithful and push you to the people you do want to go to, which is in China. So he goes and he lives in the slums of London and he 
gives all he has to the poor. It's an amazing story of God's provision, how God starts providing for him. His ministry starts right where he is, amongst his neighbors, amongst his kin, his family, his people group. That's where his ministry starts. And because he's counted faithful there, then God opens the door for him to go and be a a minister to China. And so many people think, I'm called to be a missionary. Well, what that actually means is, I hate white people, I hate America, I hate this country and this culture, I need to go to some third world place because then I can share the gospel. And that's a lie. You know, we need people here. In some aspects, your neighbors, your people you went to school with and live with and go to work with are the lost unreached people group for the gospel. You know, almost every tribe on earth has had some missionaries go to them. And here we are in America where we were once a Christian nation and are no longer. And so no one cares to go to the poor and the hurting and the angry and the despairing and the broken here in America because it's not fashionable, right? It's not politically or culturally fashionable to do that. And then what did Hudson Taylor do when he went to China? Yeah, so when he went to China, he became Chinese to reach the Chinese, right? That's what Paul said. If I can become a Gentile to reach the Gentiles, to all men, I'll become all things just so that I can get the gospel across. So most missionary organizations back in Hudson Taylor's day, and even to this day, are trying to teach a culture that is not fit to the people group they're trying to reach. When actually Hudson Taylor was like, I'm going to learn Chinese, I'm going to dress Chinese, I'm going to look Chinese, and then I'm going to go and teach them about Jesus in a way that Chinese people can understand and follow. And that's honoring to them. Yeah, that's honoring to them. And then he raised up Chinese men to lead those churches and to take over from him. He wasn't trying to get English boys from England to come and constantly be the saviors of these Chinese people. He was like, no, we need to replace all the foreign missionaries with homegrown local patriarchs, local leaders, local elders, because they are the ones who can reach their own people. And so this this missionary industry that is basically just people making money off of the back of virtue signaling how great they are because they made a, a well and they fed some poor people, so you now need to give me money, so for the rest of my life this can be my job. You know, that you have to see it for what it is. It's grifting off of the gospel. And praise God that the good news is being preached, right? That's what Paul says. Philippians 1, 15 to 18. Some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife, and some also from goodwill. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my chains, but the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And then this I rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice. So there's people who are out there in ministry because they think it's going to grow their their brand and their kingdom and their ego. Some people are making money off of it. And it's like, hey, as long as the gospel is preached, God bless. It's not the greatest. <laughs> but if you want to be a missionary, be one in, in true heart, out of love, because you love that people group, right? If you love the Chinese Then you'll go and become Chinese to reach the Chinese. You don't need a university degree. You don't need what everyone's telling you you need. You need love. You need a great, great love for that people to then go and reach that people. Because if you have love, then you don't care if you ever get seen. Most missionary work, most any of it, is selfish ambition. I want people to see me doing good. I want to blow on the trumpets how many people I've gotten saved and fed and housed. It's selfish ambition. And praise God, awesome, good for you. You've received your reward. But if you love people, then you'll be happy to go do it in secret because you know God will reward you openly. God will provide your needs. That's the great story of Hudson Taylor and uh, George Mueller. They never lacked because they never had to promote themselves. They just knew God is my provider. God will provide. And they never asked anybody for anything 
God always provided because they were doing what they were doing out of love, not to build their own kingdom or their own brand or ego. Is there anything else you want to say about mission stuff? See being married and having a family as the greatest mission. If you can have patience for unsaved people, have patience for your husband or your wife. If you can have patience for unsaved people, have patience for your children. That's the greatest mission field, is if you can raise children who love the Lord, well, guess what? Proverbs says they will not depart from that when they are older. I don't know if you're reading it or if I'm reading it, but I'll read it because it's from a lady. Agree to some of your views, but some is debatable. We are designed to help the husband, no lies there, but I truly believe that every man has a certain help me that is designed just for him. Example, you share a lot of interesting views as your husband. Great, but the next woman might need to help her husband in whatever he is doing. Example, if he is a mechanic, she should be educated about auto, etc. Don't limit people's education as if the traits the Lord blessed us with doesn't extend past the home. You never know when or if you will get married. I don't agree in saying that having babies right off of the bat. Kids are more work than a little and postpartum depression is real. Let that desire fall on them, not just say, go have babies. There's nothing wrong with having a little more education than a high school diploma. That every man has a certain help meet that is designed just for him. That's this, we've done a video on this in the past of like, is this the one? <laughs> you said that so dramatic. No, but I mean that, you know, that is what people look like when they're, when they believe this, because you're like, you're crazy, you know, because if one person messes up, then it's messed, it's, it's like a domino effect, a butterfly effect. Do you want me to share the story about my ring with this? Yeah. That's like, fine. Yeah. yeah. No, or do you finish your thoughts? Yeah, it's just like you go, oh, I, you know, Kelly was meant for someone else, but because I married her, now that guy's off, so he marries someone else who's not. And now it's just a huge chain reaction, and everybody's <laughs> off. We're all screwed. Good night. So when we, after we got engaged, we went to church one Sunday, and the message was of. Uh, someone giving their testimony about uh, getting married and the man heard from God that this lady was his wife and she also heard from God that he was her husband and then they got married and we had maybe just gotten engaged like a week or two before and I was like you know I never heard God say Scott is my husband. And one day we'll finally share our story. There's enough like really cool testimonies in how we met that I can't even believe that I was like questioning this, but I was like, I didn't hear God say this. And so this like stressed me out because you know, you have the pastor and his wife saying, audible voice of God, she's the one. Well, they didn't say audible. I don't know. No, but I mean, it's the whole super spiritualism that we've grown to really not enjoy. Yeah. But then it, it caused me a lot of doubt. And like, again, this is the biggest decision of my life. And I didn't hear God on this. And so I said to God, um, if I'm not supposed to marry Scott, I'll lose my engagement ring. So at the time we had a, I was lived with my sister and a friend and I mowed our backyard and my engagement ring wasn't fitted to me so it was loose. So I must have taken it off to mow, but I didn't think about where I put it when I took it off. So I mowed and then I'm just doing other things and then all of a sudden I look down and my ring is gone off of my finger. And the first thing that came to my mind was me saying, if I'm not supposed to marry Scott, I'm gonna lose my engagement ring. And Scott's at rugby practice and I am like, oh no, oh no. Like, Lord, I take it back. That's not what I meant. I did not mean that. And I was like frantically 
going through the house trying to find this wedding ring or this engagement ring. So I go into my room and I like, like flail out on the floor and I'm like, God, I want to marry Scott. Please help me find this ring. And it's hilarious because I looked up and like across the blade of the floor is my engagement ring. And I was like, this is hilarious. And like grabbed my ring. I didn't tell you about it that night because she came to our house after practice. But the next morning we were driving to a friend's house and I told you about the whole thing. But I really feel like it was God's like Mm -hmm. sense of humor of he let that happen to like reveal to me yes i indeed do want to marry scott and so i think that's like just something when we're mentoring young college kids it's like look at the virtue of the person look at their values yeah if you're waiting on a super spiritual feeling or a prophetic word or an audible voice of god that this is the one you're gonna be you're gonna have a hard time because either you're gonna be waiting forever or someone's going to come along and give you a prophetic word and now you're going to you know, base your whole life on that when there were a thousand wisdom decisions that you just threw out the window. Yeah. Or we knew a girl that was dating someone and she just kept on name. This is a sign. This is a sign. This is a sign. And as she talked about their actual relationship, we're like, these are like tons of red flags. Like, because you want to be with this kid... You will make up. You are making up signs when... In actuality, this relationship is not good. You do not need any more signs. The greatest greatest prophetic word is scripture. The greatest sign is scripture. So scripture is very clear. If you burn with desire, get married. It's not good for a man to be alone. Get married. There's the low bar of like, hey, marriage is good. The kind of number one underpinning is, are you attracted? Uh, Don't be unequally yoked. So that means... Does she believe in God? Are we on the same page with our values? If I want to go and do this thing with my life, is she going to be pulling alongside me or is she going to be a thorn in my flesh? Is she going to be pulling against me? That's what you want to know. And then once you've covered all those bases, praise God, get married. You know, consigning yourself to this worldview that there's one person out there and well, sucks to suck because she was born in China and you were born in Honduras. Like, how are you going to find each other? And we're really simplifying this because, I mean, I am a romantic. I love an amazing love story. And I do feel God wrote an amazing love story for you and I meeting. At the same time, I think that's been our hesitation with even making a video Mm -hmm. sharing our story is because we don't want to glamorize, like, the only way to know if someone's the one is if you have this wild, like, crazy story. It's like... Actually, people who married their high school sweetheart... It's a good thing. It's a good thing. Like, marriage is good. And I actually think, like, for us, again, I I would like to share our story sometime, but I feel like (laughs) because you and I were both in the super spiritual realm of charismatic stuff, Mm -hmm. God used that in how we And I think because we were in the super spiritual realm, we were so foolish in our... We were so misguided. We were so foolish in our telos in our masculine purpose, our feminine purpose, we we had no idea of all the stuff that we talk about now. It's stuff that we wish someone had taught us mm-hmm. from 15, 16, 17, 18 years old. Because we were so misguided, because we were so foolish, the Lord had to miraculously set <laughs> us back on track. Because, you know, I, I've, we've said this before, but it's like, yeah, if we could go back, I would send her a letter at 18, say, 
you know, we're meant to get married. Let's get married. Let's, I mean, we couldn't because who we were at 18, it just wouldn't have, but like, you know, that's the desire for our children one day. Yeah. If God blesses us with children is to be like, Hey, by the age of 16, 17, 18, you are mature. You're as mature as we were in our thirties. Yeah. And that's the problem today in our culture. There's zero wisdom of following God's ways. So we have to resort to the miraculous and the, the signs and wonders fantastic of signs and wonders to get us back on the right track which we're all for mm-hmm. signs and wonders like we believe god we're for does signs and wonders miracles we're not for basing your life on the miraculous when you should be basing your life on obedience so often we need the miraculous because we've been disobedient or we've been foolish or we've been off track and so we come back and praise god he is a good father he loves us so much that he will do miracles for us we we're asking for miracles in our life praise god you're probably asking for miracles in your life praise god may the lord give good gifts and good miracles we we ask for it we seek it we we earnestly desire the miraculous and we realize that we need to repent of our foolish ways the ways that are going clearly against god's scripture and every time god reveals another scripture to us that we're like oh yeah, we should probably sort that out. Then sort it take out. Take God at his word. Yeah, yeah, take God at his word. We want to live blessed. You know, if you're living blessed, you and and of course there's going to be things in your life where you need miracles, but you don't want to be living a life of miracle to miracle to miracle. Do you know how stressful that is? Do you know how just hard that is? Chris Blackaby has a great mm-hmm. podcast on this. Yeah, his uh, testimony on... on of living a miraculous life of mm-hmm. God always providing. And then one day he was like, I'm exhausted, God. <laughs> I can't do this anymore. Yeah. And I forget what, like, he felt like God said to him of like, you're not living out of a place of knowing I love you. Yeah. I- I'm you're, gonna you're living picture. out of your faith. You're having to muster up faith all the time. Just know that I love you and follow my ways. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that's encouraging. And I also will say with meeting your husband or wife miraculously, I do think that is where it's important to read testimonies, to mm-hmm. build up hope and yeah. faith. I think that was pivotal for both of us was mm-hmm. we had heard other people's testimonies that gave us hope and anticipation yeah. uh, for meeting our husband and wife and so let's let's have a final word on this one of of there's a just a certain help meet that is just for you. Yeah. I think there are many people who would be a good fit for you. There are many people who would not be a good fit for you. So the wisdom issue is to pray and ask God, Lord, please show me if this person that I'm very interested in is a good fit for me. If they're a good fit for you, praise God. If they're pulling, if they're equally yoked, right? A yoke is a a harness for two oxen that are going to pull a plow. They're going to pull a load. So as the man, you have to say, hey, here's what I think God is calling us to do. Here's where our values are at. Here's where I want to go in life. Is this lady going to be a good fit? And is she going to pull with me? And Make the load lighter together. (laughs) You know, are we going to go, go better together? Praise God, get married. Don't wait. You know, people who date for two, three, four, five years, you're pulling together. You're already married. You know, just get it done. And if it's like, well, I'm just in this because I'm trapped or then get out, you know, anyway. So, so she said, example, you share a lot of interesting views as your husband. Great. But the next woman might need to help her husband in whatever he is doing. Mm -hmm. Uh, Example, if he's a mechanic, she should be educated about auto. Yeah. And so this is again, that equally yoked thing. Kelly didn't believe all the stuff that we believe now. I didn't believe all the (laughs) stuff that we believe now. We've grown together. 
but we had the the number one value that we both had together is we're going to obey God even to our own hurt, even to our own harm. That that is what got us excited about each other. I found Kelly in a rubbish dump as a missionary. She was willing to be uncomfortable and dirty because she wanted to follow God. She was desperate to just live her life for the Lord. And I found that attractive. Then obviously I was physically obviously, attracted. Obviously I was attracted. Oh, obviously. I thought you were saying obviously. Oh, I was oh, physically obviously, attracted. <laughs> Obviously, no, it was like I was attracted to you. So it was a great combo. I was like, yeah, I would like to marry this girl. However, if you had been, you know, there were think, values for me that I, I knew like that you were matching. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm, I was going to say like this comes into what we always talk about with submission and adaptability. Like that is the role of a wife is to adapt to her husband. <laughs> so if I had married someone else, I would have had to adapt to... to yeah, like mm-hmm. a wife adapts to her husband. So yeah, yeah, if a woman marries a mechanic, her lifestyle is going to adapt yeah. to the lifestyle of her mechanic husband. But there's going to be something about that that's exciting to her. Like a lot of girls would look at my life when I, when we met each other and be like, nope, too all over the place, too risky, too whatever. Whereas you're kind of excited about it. Yeah. Same with the mechanic. Like if some guy's just a quiet, silent type, he loves fixing cars on the weekend, he goes to car shows. Well, guess what? Where's he going to meet the girl? Probably at a car show. (laughs) Probably, you know, you're going to kind of be excited about that type of guy. And that's going to be the starting point of being yoked. Of like, You're not going to marry someone whose interests are polar opposite. Oh, this guy likes going to car shows on a Sunday afternoon and talking about old cars. Yeah, I like him enough to go and do that. Well, then great. You'll, you'll learn to love what he loves. You know, this thing of having to learn auto. No, most guys don't, you know, I love rugby. I don't want my wife to know how to coach (laughs) moves. And that's something that I like to do as a hobby. My wife comes with me and enjoys that. I enjoy it. I don't expect her to go and get a refereeing course. It's the same with a guy who's a mechanic. He doesn't care about his wife fixing the car. He fixes the car. Yeah. But how can you be helpful to him while he's doing so it? So he can do his mission. Yeah. You know, be helpful to him in, in a way that your gifting is at. We actually, we've talked about this before, but Scott was talking about business stuff when we were dating. And I was like, oh no, I should have went to school to be a businesswoman, to do accounting. And I was like, is it a problem that I'm not an accountant? And you're like, no, we can hire an accountant. Yeah. I was like, oh good, okay. It's about femininity. It's about being uh, light and cheery. So that way, when your husband gets home from his hard grind mission, then he doesn't have to fight you. <laughs> like yeah. He can relax and be home and enjoy the beautiful space that you create yeah. for home. Here's an easy way to make a guy like you. Be excited about what he's excited about. Be cheerful about him doing what he loves to do. And it's like we know people who are mechanics love their cars, their wife goes with them to tractor shows and car shows. Like, they don't have to love every tractor and know every tractor's name. They can just enjoy... Or be educated yeah, in... They can just enjoy going to the tractor show with him. And like, wow, he's excited about this. I'm excited about him. Perfect. But if you're like, oh, this is a waste of money and time. I hate this. We're not doing this. You're going to have trouble. You're going to have problems. Yeah. And I will say also, like, you don't have to do everything together. Again, like with guys into sports it's like i don't need to come along that's the masculine environment Mm -hmm. for you to go with your guy friends yeah that's not 
of course, like if I do come along, I like it and I enjoy myself. This might be something that's like so common sense that doesn't even need to be talked about. Uh, but which... it's it's not common sense enough that girls understand that guys need guy time and they need to be excited about something. And so a girl yeah. not being... Can smash, like crush yeah. that. Or if a girl's insecure of it. Yeah. Like, oh, he's taking away from time with me. me. It's like, no. All right, last one on this. You never know when or if you'll get married. I don't agree with saying having babies right off the bat. Kids are more work than a, than a little and postpartum depression is real. So uh, let that desire fall on them. Don't just say, go have babies. Well, it's like, again, this is the Bible. It's not us. We're, we're you know, we're not saying, and again, it's ironic because like, we don't have kids yet. We're praying to the Lord for children. That's the miracle we're desiring. The Lord says, go be fruitful and multiply. <laughs> You're screaming it. All right, let me say it again. You know, the Lord says, go be fruitful and multiply. Children are a blessing. Children are arrows in the hands of a warrior. Raise up children the way they should go. They won't depart from it. It's not us coming up with these things of like, oh, you're a girl. You should go have babies. And it's like just naturally how we were made. It's why our world is a clown show right now. It's because girls aren't getting married and they're not having children. Men aren't getting married. They're on birth control. All these antidepressants. Men aren't getting married. They're not building wealth. They're not going after their passion and their purpose. They're not building multi-generational family empires this desire is built in us it's like oh just let the desire fall on them yeah it's called barbie dolls have you ever seen little girls with barbie dolls and like all girls want to do is to marry prince charming and have children and then 12 years of public schooling smashes it out of them that they're supposed to be a man a second rate man and go and give their best years to a corporation that's going to go bankrupt by the end of their life and then they'll be 70 with cats and that's wonderful go get another degree and get indebted (laughs) And I think it's why there's so many young single girls with dogs is because they're using that nurturing motherly gift that God's given them for them to be motivated to be fruitful and multiply. And they're using that energy towards their yeah. dogs. I'm, I'm not angry at any of you commenters. I, I don't want to come across as being angry at you or anything. I'm angry at the culture that is so against God's ways. God's ways are for a man to be a husband and a father and a productive patriarch who's building wealth. His ways for a woman are to be a wife and a mother, a help me to her husband, building this patriarchal family, having children, raising them in the way of the Lord. It's an exciting way to live. It's a simple way to live, right? Just because it's simple doesn't mean it's obvious. Because It doesn't mean it's easy. It doesn't mean it's easy because the whole world is against it. You know, we're, again, people always say, don't tell others what to do. How dare you tell people what to do? And it's like, we're just a mosquito in the tent, buzzing, making people annoyed. The whole world is telling men, go be playboys, go be libertarians, go waste your life. Telling women, go be boss babes, go be savvy businesswomen, go waste your life. Mm-hmm. Children s- are a burden. Yeah. Avoid them, put them off as long as possible. The house is a trap, you know. Yeah. And so we just get angry at the lies. I'm Again, it's a righteous anger. It's okay to be angry, right? Again, God's ways. In your anger, do not sin. So praise God. We love you guys. We, we say this out of love because... If God is good, if he really is good, then his ways are probably good. You know, it's for a young kid. It's like, don't touch the stove. Well, I want to touch the stove. It's like, it's not for your best interests to touch the stove. It's not for your best interests to eat 28 Reese cups. It's not in your best interests to do all these things that seem good to you in the moment 
but lead to death, lead to destruction, lead to cursing. We're in this place having to just bang this drum over and over again because the culture never stops. The conveyor belt never stops pulling you toward what the culture wants you to be. So praise God. Love you guys. God bless you. So we hope you enjoyed this and we bless you and your household. Praise God. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. You can support our channel by leaving a review on Apple Podcast, or if you would like to purchase from our shop, our website is homewithkelly, K-E-L-L-I dot C-O. We have organic rooibos that we bring in from Scott's home country of South Africa. It is a delicious, no caffeine tea, loose leaf. It is so good, iced or warm. And I also have some vintage home goods in the shop and I make some hand-bound journals which are also available. We hope that everything that we share is an encouragement and a blessing to you and your family.